Welcome to the Vegan Connection Podcast. Today's guest is Guy Vaknin, founder and co-owner of Beyond Sushi. In this episode, Christina and Guy discuss the conception, growth, and future of Beyond Sushi, the outcome of the Shark Tank deal, and how he finds a balance in being CEO and chef. Hello and welcome. Hey, thank you very much for having me. Thank you for being here. So what I would love to know is how the idea came up for Beyond Sushi and what you were doing. You know, were you vegan then and yeah. what where your headspace was at when the idea popped up? So that's that's a very common question. Every time that it's a very odd concept to begin with. I wasn't I wasn't vegan. I wasn't I I was pretty much ignorant about this whole world uh, when I first started. I uh, got to this business, um, let's backtrack a little bit. I, I, I worked in a catering company, a family-owned catering company. In New York City? In New York City, yeah. My father owned uh, a few kosher restaurants in New York City before, and I moved here after I finished the Army back home in Israel. Kind of fell into the family business then really. What area? Two on 3rd Avenue and uh, 12th Street. And then he had one on 75th Street. He had one on 17. He had one on West 67. So all over the city he had locations of um, kosher Moroccan. That's my background. So my parents came from Morocco to Israel. And then my dad moved here. I finished the army, thought I would come here for just like a, you know, a breeze and uh, move along and uh, start my life. But ended up staying, went to college for computer engineering. Has nothing to do with food, right? Wow. Uh, and decided that sitting on a chair for the rest of my life in front of a computer screen is not something that I am uh, I'm going to do. And asked my dad if he uh, would help me go to culinary school. Went to culinary school, finished culinary school here in New York City in Institute of Culinary Education. And then went back to the family business because that was the you know the thing to do right after. Sure, it was like a safety net. Yeah, safety you did net. what you wanted. Now yeah. you got to help dad out. Now he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna get what he paid for. Basically. Exactly. <laughs> so he did that really quick, and uh, he made me the executive chef as soon as I got out of school. Didn't know anything about about cooking and. Got into the kitchen, ran that kitchen, made a lot of changes. That's what it, I was going to uh, ask you. Did you get to really put your your culinary influence and ele- and elevate the food as you saw it? The main thing about it is that first my dad decided that I'm the executive chef, and then he decided that he's leaving for two years to go back to Israel and told me, okay, run the business, bye-bye. I was oh, 23. Wow. Like, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. 23 so, running all these restaurants all over Manhattan? Running a catering business. So we condensed everything into a catering At business. At that point, okay. Yeah, it was a big business. I mean, uh, we had... A 4,000 square feet kitchen and running a lot of stuff, but had the ability to do whatever I wanted because I've never worked under a chef. And so I created all this crazy stuff. <laughs> and you also didn't have the limitations that get. I wasn't boxed. Yeah, exactly. That, I wasn't you know, boxed. And that's exactly what this, I would say, a major influence of what this podcast or, you know, a major inspiration is. I'm all about thinking outside the box. Yeah. Veganism is all about, you know, thinking outside yes. side of the box. It is. And so it's a huge reason why I wanted to do this podcast and share stories like yours. So please you. um, so, go on. So food, food was, I mean, it was always something I was very passionate about, but I had the ability or I had the platform to do whatever I wanted, however I wanted uh, at a very young age. I did a lot of mistakes, <laughs> lost my dad a lot of money, uh, but then made him a bunch because I got to the point where I could create new things, innovative things, modern things that I thought about, that, uh, that I learned techniques along the way from books, from here, from there, but really had the ability to do whatever I wanted. And then I contribute the creation of Beyond Sushi to that. If I was boxed into something, uh, I don't think that I would ever come up with 
that idea. But that was just the backstory of how it started. I worked there for six, seven years. Um, got to the point that we quadrupled the company. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, that was great. And it was a great experience. And I, I ran in, we started with like eight cooks in the kitchen. I finished with about 42. Yeah, it really went well. A lot of hard work, but then working with family was always hard. Naturally. Uh, my dad, yeah, he came back from Israel and I was like, hey, this is, you know, everything's going back to where it used to be. And I didn't want that. So I, um, I decided to venture out. Uh, that was, was that was the that moment was, you said moment. I'm here at this time and and I need to go out on my own. I've done you know you brought Dad's business, you quadrupled yeah. all of the business, and now you felt like it was time for him yeah. to come back and for you to start something fresh. Basically. Did you have all these ideas in your head? So we did. I mean, it took when I decided that it took me another two years until I got out. I met my wife along the way. I actually hired her to work at my dad's company. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, and she came in and um, really loved the idea of what I made with sushi uh, and pushed me to uh, take it to the next level. And it took two years and we went out to the vegetarian food festival and we saw the reaction and so on and so on. Uh, and How then, long ago was this? This is 2010. Okay. So I've been doing this for a little while. Yeah. Um, 2010 is the first time I introduced Beyond Sushi in the Vegetarian Food Festival. And then 2011, we did the second run. I really rewrote the menu and um, The Vegetarian it. Food Festival, the one at the pavilion. Yeah, the, the okay. pavilion. Just, it, there's so many food fest festivals yeah. <laughs> now that like Vegandale. Yeah, it was yeah. the first one. And yeah. Vegandale just had the third one. So yeah. so just to yeah. you know it was the first, first, first like uh, vegan festival that happened. It in wasn't the city. even vegan yet. It was actually yeah. only vegetarian. Yes. Well, it, so there were the vegan year. options. The but first yes. Year. Yes. Second year it was completely vegan. Yes. Um but at that time, uh, like I said, I had nothing to do with this world. I did work with kosher. Kosher has a lot of restrictions, and mm-hmm. that's why Beyond Sushi even came up, because we had to give a solution to a restriction where you eat meat and fish you can't eat together. So we did a vegetarian type. That really sparked something, and I started working uh, with healthier food, vegetarian. little secret, I've said it a few times already, but... Beyond Sushi went open was not vegan, was vegetarian. I had egg products in the menu. Was that the only thing the keeping only thing. it? Yeah. Okay. The only thing. And but three weeks later, it became vegan. I made a decision to make it vegan. What was what was the reason? So one of the things that I I always take with me and I think is uh, it's the basic of my business is I always listen. I listen to my customers. I listen to what they say. I read reviews religiously up until today, every day, maybe three or four times a day. Wow. Yeah, yeah, so but if you are leaving some Yelp <laughs> reviews or Instagram or anywhere or anywhere else. Yeah, make sure I'm going to They're, they're yeah. listening. <laughs> I'm listening. I'm always, because I mean. I'm but, sure your wife is listening also. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She, she gets mad at me because I, I, uh, I obsess with it. But it's, it's a way for me to actually see what people are saying, what they think. Not all the time it's completely true. Uh, but every, every point that somebody says has a point in it. You, you need to listen. You need to read it. And you need to be with no ego when you read it. Exactly. That's, that's the thing. Exactly. I mean, There's a lot of places, by the way, that get so set in yeah. their ways and so egotistical or, or maybe even a little narcissistic, yeah. right? <laughs> but, but there has to be a certain level of confidence to be a really Owners good chef. Owners hate it. Owners yes. hate, normally they hate reviews. They hate what 
people have to say, but you can't. This is what you're doing. You're serving people. You're serving people. You have to listen to what they're what what they're saying. You know, a hundred percent. I agree. I agree. And that's also how you evolve, right? Uh huh. And I'm sure I you, changed menu items. I was just going to ask you. No, how, what, so what has changed? Because even, due to a, due even to people a like in the first week, I mean. The, First of all, the whole concept changed from vegetarian to vegan. I listened to my customers. I, I had a very sad incident when a, when a girl didn't know that it was vegetarian and ate it. And she said, oh, well, I haven't had animal products in, uh, in 10 years and started bowling in my restaurant. I was like, okay. That would have been me. That's <laughs> so that impacted me personally uh, to actually study everything. Like I said, I was ignorant. You took it this. seriously. Yeah, yeah. I changed my whole lifestyle. So I'm vegan for five and a half years. Now, Congratulations. Yeah. I mean, it took me a while from listening and hearing and understanding and uh, researching made me understand, okay, uh, I'm doing something wrong. It's not like uh, they're asking me for something. I'm doing something wrong in this whole scene. Uh, um, so I took it upon myself uh, to change it. I have a very different view of how to look at it. I live and let live uh, for everybody. But I think that Taking an approach where you can be innovative and create new things and excite people over food uh, would change or make people come over and eat your food rather than forcing it on them. And it shows. I mean, most of our customers, over 60% of them are not vegan or vegetarian or anything else that you, they just want a good, good meal, you know? Do you think people that are not vegan or vegetarian are more open-minded to the fact that it says beyond sushi and not vegan sushi with your I, name? I Is think, I think so. First, of all, first of all, there's a lot of beyond in our world right yes. now. I was the first. Okay. Yes. And then they took beyond me, then beyond this and beyond that. But which I don't care. Uh, I'm just saying. It's you're in good sushi, company, at least. Yeah. In, it, in the vegan business world. Yes. Yes. Not bad. Not, not bad. bad. Even though I like Impossible better. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, in my opinion, it's all how you cook it. Ah, uh, okay. And I've had your Impossible kebabs, and they in, were phenomenal. So I took that name off of it. We actually altered the recipe, and more than fifty percent of what goes into it is not impossible so oh yeah. so they're not called the impossible kebabs no, anymore. anymore what are they called because in the beginning this is something experimental for me okay I, I haven't for seven years i would not use any imitation of anything i was actually the vegan yeah. community was pretty shocked when you brought in and the I impossible in. Yeah, yeah and it's one of the things i wanted to talk to you about so yeah about so please that. go right ahead so i would not use it for a very long time but over the years i also i'm learning you know and i'm listening and I'm listening to everything around me and I'm listening to the community. I'm listening to myself. I'm listening to a lot of things. You have to in a business and you have to evolve. I was, I was trying to keep a product where you can serve it to the masses as much as possible. And we created a, a very uh, fast, uh, creative, very vegetable and fruit oriented and all the stuff around it. But over the years and with the vegan community growing, there's been a big demand for the, make me feel like I'm eating meat. Make me feel like I'm eating that. I think that I've learned over the years that people that are not vegan, that converted or moved to that, including myself, have that longing for those flavors that are that they remember. I cook from memories. I cook everything that I cook today, all the recipes that I create is for things that I tasted in the past and are right there stuck in my head. And those the are the memories. And for most of us, if you were born vegan and if you were vegan for such a long time and you're not longing for that flavor, okay, then Beyond Sushi is the perfect place for you because you're not going to get that flavor. Or it used to be like that. You would not get those flavors. 
I also was very reluctant to use those products because they were bad in 2012. There wasn't good products that were out there or innovative products. But as soon as the business and the vegan community. Just to clarify, you weren't saying that the Impossible Burger was bad. You were saying that what was available in 2010 was bad. Okay. Just to clarify. 2012, 2010. Yeah, it wasn't around. It it wasn't around. And even even like a milk substitute was was bad. You know, it wasn't wasn't as good as it it, it is today. Listen, the milk industry suffered, lost $2 billion in profits last year. So it's a huge win for plant-based milks. And veganism. It's inevitable. I mean, whenever anybody asks me about this, and I've done a few interviews long ago, it's inevitable, if you look at it very realistically, it's inevitable that this movement will take over, not because of what people think and want, it's because the world will not be able to sustain it. And you can't fight it. You can fight it for such a long time. At the end, it's going to move to this. And you can see it with the, you can see it with the burgers. I mean, people are that, Normally, will buy meat. Now are inclined to go and buy, uh, you know, Beyond or Impossible. Now they have Impossible in the in the supermarket. So, well, I think that to your point, you were saying how you know you were against having vegan substitutes yeah. for meat um, in your restaurant, and now vegan meat industry has evolved so much that yeah. you want something for everyone on exactly. your menu. Exactly. So for everyone, whereas you know maybe someone might be coming in and saying, you know, oh God, I I need I'm dying to try the vegan sushi of the month yeah. or whatever yeah. it is. And maybe they're there with a friend who's who's maybe, you know, trying veganism mm-hmm. out. And that's where the the faux meat can come in and really open up their minds to, to and their palates to say, hey, yeah. I don't need to eat meat. Yeah. This is delicious. Yeah, it's a good product. I mean, it's a good product. And you can still be innovative with it. There is products that I won't use. Like there is certain cheeses and stuff like that I won't use because they're not good. They're just not, they're not good in flavor. First thing for me is to make sure that I'm not serving something that is going to be just okay. Or maybe like it. If you tried the kebabs that I'm making over there, I have people asking me to like freeze them and send it to them, you know, and sell it, you know. Wow. Uh, It's not. It's for me, it tastes exactly like what I used to eat. It's a memory of flavor. And to get to that level with these products, it's very important. It opens up also for me uh, a world of creation, right? Sorry to interrupt you, but that memory that you're talking about, and whenever I cook at home and I yeah. cook something that's Italian or vegan food, like a baked ziti or anything, to me, I'm cooking from memory because I yes. went vegetarian very young. Then I went vegan about you know seven, eight years ago. Yeah. And for me... That is what helped me realize that in order to help people go vegan, they have to first have that emotional connection with their cultural food. And if they don't have that connection, whether whatever it is that they grew up eating, then it's very hard to make the move or to evolve and become open-minded. Because it's like, but what am I going to do at, at, you know, Christmas or at any holiday function? And, and, you know, just the first step, you know, walk in the door. But then there's a lot of, Places that, you know, you walk in the door and your first experience is not that great. My first experiences with vegan cheese many years ago was horrible. So much so that I had not discovered any of the vegan cheeses that I know and love now. Yeah. But when I first went vegan, I just cut out dairy and I was like, that's it. I'm going to be dairy. I'm not going to have any cheese, any, anything. I was eating pizza, which is vegetables on it for so long. And then I started. I still don't have it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you still don't have. Oh, there's I, I some don't. really great vegan cheeses I out know. there. I, I mean, look, I have, I have when it's like, I have it sometimes when it's quality. I serve 
one from here from Brooklyn, uh, Dr. Cow. I think it's really good. Who makes the feta? The feta is Violife. Is it? Yeah, Violife. I love the Fi- really Violife feta, really and good. I buy it at home, but for some They're reason really I thought it was yours. No, no, It's no, no, no. unbelievable, that feta. <laughs> oh, Violife I mean, to, is to amazing. Create, to create, uh, and, and I mean, there is no problem creating it. It's just time. Yeah. And we're feeding about 1,500 people a day. You know, it's in, a lot. In all the locations? In all the locations, yeah. Wow. It's a lot. It's a lot. And we served over 2 million people since we opened. So it, it's a lot. And I'm very proud of it, you know, and I'm very proud. And I, I, I say those numbers and not to brag. Something that I, I wouldn't even imagine when I first opened and you know it's It's not bragging because not only is it great for your business but it's also what you're doing for the vegan community and I can't and I'm sure there's tons of people that eat at your restaurant whether they're vegan or not vegan or restaurants I should say and they have a really great experience and they're like I don't need to eat fish or I don't need to eat meat look at this how great this kebab is no they've said uh, I mean the comments are I try to stay, you know, very modest about it. But for, the comments are really good, oh, and we're we're oh, like sure. at four and a half stores since we first opened. Listen, uh, yeah. someone will find something to complain about. Whatever your favorite restaurant is, <laughs> yes. I, I, yeah. there's always going to be someone unhappy. We're people, right? Yeah, we're all human, okay. and sometimes we have a bad day and we take it out on you know the wrong person. Ninety-five percent is okay. Ninety-five percent is okay. I th- I think that's amazing. I try a hundred, uh, but ninety-five is okay. For me, as a vegan, yeah. um, even though I promote a lot of like the more indulgent food. I like to be, eat super round, well-rounded and well-balanced. And I love going to Beyond Sushi to know that I'm going to get just good quality, fresh vegetables, no matter what I order. And whether it's a hot dish or a cold dish. And I think it was you know, really kind of a shock to some of the vegan community that knows yeah. your food so well when you brought the impossible in. And I was like, wait a second, is that an impossible? Yeah, is that a beef burger? Yeah, but I have a not broccoli an, a, with not it. A, yeah, and it's beautiful. <laughs> oh, it's a beautiful presentation. The roasted the roasted potatoes are delicious. Thank everything you. on the plate, the broccoli is cooked perfectly. Everything nice. has like that great charred taste to it. It's a beautiful dish. Yeah. Um, and I was pleasantly surprised. Had I not known that it was impossible and you just called it whatever you wanted to call it. Yeah. I would never have guessed that it's the impossible burger. I would it's, have said, wow, what is he doing here with Satan or it's, something? It is with Satan. Okay. okay. So you got, you got one of them, right? Uh, I, we, like I said before, it, the impossible name came off because over 60% of the mix is not. The one thing that is missing and it's very hard to achieve that impossible did is that the him that they they, you know, they the get hemoglobin, out, yeah, yeah. they get out of the soil, and it's very hard to achieve that flavor from anything else. And beyond, couldn't I, in my mind? That's what I was going to ask. Beyond, why did you? Is that why you went with them? Yeah, because they cannot. You can't get that flavor, that that charred flavor that we're talking about mm-hmm. from anything else that I've I've encountered so far. And that's that's a very big achievement for them. Huge. I think I think that they're going to get beyond out of the market eventually. But that's my opinion. And flavor wise, they're like night and day. Night and day. And I use that to enhance whatever I'm putting into it. That one has beets, it has cinnamon, it has uh, cumin, it has uh, garlic, uh, red onion, uh, parsley. So much in that mix that it's not anymore the impossible. It's our mix, right? How did you go from only being a sushi place, from being a beyond sushi to expanding your menu and offering the, the dinner menu on 37th Street and then expanding it to your other locations? It's a very long journey. <laughs> I mean, it took me 
My first idea when I left my dad and going back to dad is that I would have a restaurant one day. I didn't have money to open a restaurant. I had uh, $70,000 that I saved over 10 years and my dad gave me a loan of $70,000. I had enough to open Beyond Sushi at 14th Street. 12 chairs, one chef, me, and no one else. And I had $1,000 left over in my bank account after I opened. Uh, so I spent 140000 building the place, and I had nothing left. New York City is yeah. brutal. <laughs> uh, we're, we're kind of a Cinderella story with a lot of determination and uh, fighting and blood and tears and whatever not. But I, I basically worked from 3 o'clock in the morning till 12 o'clock at night, and 3 o'clock in the morning to 12 o'clock at night until I saved enough money to hire a dishwasher. I used to wash the dishes, prep the food. I didn't know how to make sushi when I first opened. I had a sushi chef and then on the people that came on day number seven when he took off I had to wait for like 40 minutes for me to make one roll <laughs> <laughs> it, it was hard in the beginning sushi is good like it's a oh, profession. Well, it really is. It's an art. Yeah. It's, it's, and I chose something that was very hard, high standard. You have to make sure that you make it all the time, fresh and so on. Um, it was hard. And getting the staff was very hard too, because you got to have professionals that know how to do it. You got to pay them more. And over the years, we opened more locations. I mean, I took a bet and 10 months after and opened Chelsea Market. I really believed in what I was doing. And Chelsea Market, uh, boomed. And then I, less than a year later, I opened 56th Street. And then we kind of maxed out our situation. And I went and got a commissary in Long Island City. And after that, I had to justify why I got 6,000 square feet of commissary and went and got 37th Street. Uh, and from there, 37 Pine Street and, uh, and Mulberry Street, then Shark Tech and so on. But 37, was, first of all, it's uh, it's the biggest vegan restaurant in New York City, if I'm not mistaken. It's 3,000 square feet space. It's very big. For um, an only vegan restaurant? Yeah. I think it is. Yeah. I think it might be. And and it, to justify 100 seats in a restaurant, you need to do a lot of business. And you need to do a lot of business. At, I mean, the rents are crazy. Staff over the years now, at minimum $15 an hour, is very hard. So you need to justify it. And over the years, I, I saw, okay, I have the ability. I used to do weddings for $300 a head, you know, before in the catering. So why not just do that in our my restaurant and expand beyond what we were doing before? Not knowing or not having the experience of running a full-service restaurant, it took a while for me to run that in. Yeah. Uh, but it happened and we expanded so we can fit with what we built and we can fit with the future and um, giving answers to all this new. You gotta so you evolve to as a business, and you needed yeah. to expand the menu. Yeah. I think it's so interesting that you started with sushi, which you didn't really know how to make. That you had I to hire know. hire somebody. <laughs> I didn't know, not really. I didn't know how to make it. <laughs> it was bad, but but I, then you make it. You make you make yourself learn. You needing know? to expand on your menu yeah. helped you tap more into your roots. You feel like it. It helped me. Helped me go back to being alive. Uh, for me, uh, for, what we did is, uh, the idea was cookie cutter and we're just going to open it, concept it. But that kind of died me down and I'm uh, in my, yeah. in my soul, I'm very creative and I yeah. want to create and I always think about it. It doesn't matter what I do. I, I take a shower. I think about what it was a new dish. I, I, I work in the office. What's that? Um, and I wanted to create it and, you know, and keep creating. And, and that brought me back to life and, 
And since I've done that for the first time about two years ago, I j- it just keeps going. Uh, I got to do it on a large scale. So it's not like, oh, let me open, let me do this, let me do that. You got to do it where you can able to execute it. I, uh, I have a very high standard of what I want to execute at all times, everywhere. I can't be everywhere. So mm-hmm. it takes time, but we're going one step at a time. Today we have a dish that, you know, I used to serve a $6 sushi. We have a, a $44 uh, truffle uh, risotto now going on at 37. Uh, yeah, I mean, over time, it's going to Risotto is tough, too. Yeah, yeah. Risotto is very tough to execute. I My haven't had it, good. so I'm not judging. Yeah. <laughs> You're just Don't saying. judge me. Um, you, 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 you'll enjoy it. I'm not the biggest fan Truffles of risotto from Italy, because, you know? oh, that's very nice. Yeah. Truffles yeah. from Italy, wow. Yeah, yeah. I'm not the biggest fan of risotto because I've had so many that aren't good that Audible. I just stay away from it. Okay. Um, but I will definitely try no, uh, your I risotto. Like the, I would like the feedback. Oh, for sure. <laughs> so I just want to go back for a second. What's so interesting to me is that having this new space, it's like you created almost like a problem in disguise. Like I have all this space now. Now I need to step it up and create more of a menu. And maybe subconsciously you wanted to do it so you could, 100%. you know, show off your culinary <laughs> skills that you work so hard for. But what made you want to open up a sushi place when that wasn't like, I, I get what you're saying. What, ter- why, why did I why do Why sushi, uh, first since that's all, not what you went to school for? I, I saw I saw the demand. I, I don't see sushi as sushi. Yeah. Okay. I see sushi as a perfect vessel that you get the same bite every time, right? So it's always going to come out the same. And to create the maximum consistency, the, the top of the, there is no, every bite is one bite. All the flavors are packed right there, balanced, everything is working together. Consistent. Yes, it's consistent. Was, it's foolproof from a business point of view. And as an aunt, as an entrepreneur, I fully yeah. understand where you're it's, coming it's from. It's just needed to be a pack of stuff that you taste the same thing every time. It sounds boring, but people no. come back to it. And it's, thank God people it's been working for know. us. Yes, exactly. And they want to have the same flavor. Yep. They don't want to have something else today than they had yesterday. They don't want to have this bite that it tastes differently than what they had yesterday. It goes so, back to the memory. Exactly. Like about how, how we connect with yeah. something. If you ever realize whenever you eat something that's really good, you might, you probably will close your eyes and like have like a moment and yeah. think about it for exactly. a second. And, and that's how you know something is like truly wonderful. It's funny. But, um, and then you're searching for it yeah. every time you try and take another bite of it again. You I, reali- I realized over the years, everything I remember from more back my childhood has something to relate with food. I don't know why, but that's me. I'm the same way. I I understand. It's because of our culture, right? Because you go to, someone gets married, a family event, a birthday, there's always food. There's a celebratory place always has food. And and those memories, it's like they're all intertwined in us. Yeah. And food, for for me, food, or at least in the Moroccan culture, was very, very big. And uh, we had big dinners every Friday, every Saturday. I mean, it's 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 for Shabbat. Yeah, for Shabbat. And I, my parents got divorced when I was young, so I had a lot of time with my grandma and my mom. So I spent a lot of time in the kitchen. Um, when everybody went to play soccer, I was being the fatty and eating everything. <laughs> oh, so you you definitely have like your grandma's influence in your oh, yeah. cooking as well yeah. as as your culinary. So that's that's the perfect combination yeah. to create food, delicious food that everyone is going to want. Because that's you know. I feel like it's almost more of your authentic self coming out, your yeah. auth- your authentic creativity. Your sushi is really great, but I n- personally never expected 
the food, the sit-down menu to be as amazing as it is, I was pleasantly surprised. Not no, that I expected need, it to, to be bad. No, no, no. Not that I expected okay. it to be bad. But every single time we post on social media, on Instagram, anything that's not sushi from your restaurant, everyone is always so excited. We receive yeah. so many DMs saying, wow, I didn't even know Beyond Sushi yeah. had more than sushi. And I'm like, yes, you need to go to 37th Street and <laughs> indulge in that sit-down menu. It's 56, phenomenal. 56 and Mulberry too. Okay. They, you added, the, they yeah, all have running, the same menu, the same menu Not the, Not everything at 37 because of capacity, but most of it. Yeah, 95% of what we're selling over there is sold in, in 56 and uh, Mulberry converted them. They both have liquor license, uh, both have bars. We converted them from what they were in the beginning, which is uh, Beyond Sushi, the regular one. I don't know. I think that if you want to survive in this business, and a lot of it, it had to do... When you, when you are in this business, you got to feel like you're pushed against the wall all the time. And I do it to myself a lot of times. And it's fine because if you do it enough to yourself, you always evolve and you always grow. Whether it's real or not, I, I push myself that's to, the, the to test, that point. That's the test of all good businesses, right? Yeah. Every business has to evolve. That's why all of these major corporations are constantly putting out yeah. new branding and yeah. you know saying new and improved, even if to the consumer, it doesn't seem like anything different. But in the true sense of the way you're evolving, you're coming out with new menu items, you're developing new, you know, new dishes that are maybe not what people know beyond sushi for, but that's what you know, they will what you're creating. What did you, what did you, that's, <laughs> that's why it's what they beyond will know. sushi. Yeah, I know. I think people miss the know. beyond part. Yeah. I mean, it, it's look it, at the end of it. I don't like, I didn't open a Japanese restaurant. I opened a vegan restaurant. I opened a vegetarian restaurant that serves innovative food. It doesn't matter where it comes from in the world. It's, it's a vegan cuisine, right? That's what it is. A hundred percent. And to me, any, a true entrepreneur is someone that wakes up thinking, breathing, sleeping, their craft and their yeah. business. And to me, someone like you that's constantly creating and doing something that makes it more exciting for the customer to go in and say, what's new? They're, yes, that you have, you Forget have about the things. customer. What about me? <laughs> Uh, it's awesome for you too. Yes. I'm sure I, I'll, it's I'll be lit bored. I'll be bored out of my mind. You said it gave you life. Yeah, you said it, it, it brought, brought you back. back. It brought me back. You talk about that more, please. Because we were trying the cookie cutter thing, and that that was the Shark Tank and all that stuff and expending. But I I have to create. I mean, it's it's in me. I have to, and that's why I, I decided at the end not to go with Shark Tank, and we can talk about that too. Yeah, it just got into the spiral of the vision that they had, or what they thought should be where we should go well, and I, how to do. What did you What did you say you wanted to do, and where did what direction did they want to go in? So when I got into this, I, the vision was to take this and expand it to the West Coast and take it to LA. Again, not to brag, but we get so many requests of of franchising and doing this. Uh, a lot of times, people don't know what's in the back end of actually creating this. So they they think it's very simple, but it's not. As everything. Uh, no, Nothing is simple no, in life. it's not. So the idea was to take this as us, as owners, uh, duplicate it in the West Coast. Because out of all the requests that we get, LA is like one of the biggest ones. And we, on a daily basis, oh, come, please open in LA. Please open in LA. I believe it. LA. And I, think, I, I, I think love LA and it. I totally see you guys out there. I think that there. we're killed over there. It's not, there is no question about it. And that's nope. why I went out with it. After doing the show, I got a deal, one of the biggest deals they had there in a, in a while. But the vegan still, community was so excited. Yeah. Like we all Everybody cheered for you. Yeah. Like like it's because it wasn't just a win for you for and for vegan. you, but it was yeah. for the community. Yeah, I mean it's so it's so mainstream now that 
even I believe that business is the only drive that will make this movement go anywhere. Okay? Supply and demand, a hundred percent. Businesses will change. I mean, people can you can preach as much as you want. Mm-hmm. If you don't make it something that, and it's bad to say, um, it's not nice to say, but it's if they don't can make a profit, corporations cannot make a profit out of this, out of this state. It won't go ahead. And, and, and it's okay that people say, oh, well, don't go corporate and don't do that. But if you don't, then you don't get your word out there and you're not going to get out and you're not going to convert. Look, if I didn't open six of them, I would never feed two, two million people. That's a lot of people that That's had vegan meals. And I'm assuring you that over a million were not vegan. Yeah. So instead of that, they could have had a non-vegan meal. Okay, so just do a calculation of how many fish or how many animals, how many... How many people, how many lives were saved by that? And that's the whole point. I mean, the more you do it, the more business, the more sales you make out of it, the more, okay, corporate and people hate that word, but that's what it is. Uh, businesses need to have structure. And once they go that way, go that route, look, I mean, beyond meat, right? Yeah. They went out, IPO and all that yeah. stuff. And it's all over the place. Okay? But people vote with their dollar. Exactly. Our dollar does more for us probably than exactly. voting. I, we should all vote in the election, but really yeah. what's what's making a difference is where we spend our money. Yeah, I mean, that's why dairy companies are, are either, you know, yes. Elmhurst, that dairy company in Queens, that was a major dairy company. And now they're making like a whole line of plant-based milks and they completely stopped their dairy they business evolved. before. Exactly. They evolved. They evolved. It's either it's you inevitable. die or you evolve. Exactly. And that's the way good business is. So these corporations are finally jumping on the bandwagon, yeah. which is what we want them to do, right? That's yeah. part of the progression. And yeah, but don't, you know, don't hate on them. No, uh, no, no. I know there are people, some, people some people that, that I hate on listen, them. You know? They did what they did, but they're drivers and yeah. they drive volume. Yeah. And the only way you make, I mean, you can make an impact with small, but to make a real, it's got to be volume behind it. There's got to be a massive amounts of, because Everything else is in massive amounts and massive amounts of people. Okay, we have a small store here and a small store there. But if you want to make, a, make an impact, impact yeah. yeah, it's got to be with volume. And that's that was my first initial thought about this. I, we still do large volumes. However, for my purposes, I'm a very fanatic about doing everything perfect and doing everything 100% and touching. I, I cook every day. So touching everything with my hands and... Um, I would say five fingers. Don't do four <laughs> fingers. Do five fingers. Everything everything you do, you got to put your whole hand on it. Be part of it. It's a really great motto to have. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would say give 5,000%. Like, yeah. try. I get yeah. frustrated. I'm the type of person that gets frustrated when people half-ass things. So you're definitely <laughs> preaching to the choir here. Okay. Um, and I definitely think that's a testament to how successful your businesses are and how amazing your food is. Thank you. How going back to what you're saying um, in regards to Shark Tank, oh, yeah. how you both had different visions. Yeah. What did they want to do, and how did you dissolve? Um, when you get into after the show, there is a negotiation part. I'm sure. Uh, and I, like I told you, it was like uh, I'm kind of a Cinderella story, so it's not Cinderella because hey, somebody gave me anything. Everything that I built, including 37, which has cost me. Uh, ton of money. Oh, I can only imagine. And every restaurant and every every part of it was self-funded. So thanks to all the community and everything that they put into my business, I was able to expand and take that money and just keep going. And for me to give up a large portion, which I agreed to a certain amount and then changed in negotiation. And there is a lot of 
you know, little details. It's really interesting because to the audience, it seems like, okay, you shake on the deal and yeah. that's it. And all that really has to come up is, you know, attorneys write up your no. contracts and you guys go on and have a happy yeah. partnership. And I mean, I have, so a, I have confidentiality, a confidentiality agreement that I can't say I'm sure. about certain things. But um, at the end of the day, they're good people. Both of them. Uh, they're good people. And... Both of them really wanted to do this deal and both of them really wanted to move on to the next step. We didn't see eye to eye on certain things. Understanding the business from inside and being in it every day, the things that they suggested afterwards did not work for me. I knew how much I would have to put in to make it work and it just didn't work. But doesn't mean that we're not going to go to LA. Doesn't mean that we're not going to expand I more. see it. Doesn't mean there is, there is a million other ways. After Shark Tank, I stopped for a second. I regrouped. Everything that we were doing, certain levels in the in the company, I had to uh, adjust and get rid of and whatever. When not. did you dissolve with them? In January of this year. Okay, so, so, so less than a year so ago. It's so interesting because yeah. right after that, so not right after that, but the Vegetarian Food Festival was in April, right? Yeah. And April, you debuted... Um, Amba. Yeah, Amba, which, yeah. <laughs> which I want to talk to you about. You debuted Amba, which seems like you've brought in some of those dishes or, or like some of those style dishes onto yeah. your Beyond Sushi menu now. How did you get to the point where you're doing another concept, but also at the same time, do you feel like dissolving from Shark Tank gave you the creative liberty yeah. that like you, almost like you had these shackles that were like coming in on you with like all of this like corporate talk and, and contracts and all of these like details and all the minutiae, which is takes yeah. all the fun out of it. Right. Exactly. And it's like, almost like, Oh, I'm like, they're lovely people, but you know what? Maybe we should just stay independent. And it seems like it almost gave you this like creative liberty to create these new dishes. And it brought you back to your culinary passion. Yeah. So I, I, have a lot of hats in the company. We have, um, we're not, we're a fairly big company. We have a hundred employees right now. It's a lot of people, but I wear a lot of hats. Back then, I was so occupied with the contracts and this and that and where and structure and how we're going to build and who's going to come into the play and training this one and training that one and who is running this manager and who's running that manager and how are these going to work when I'm in LA and all this stuff. So you do a lot of planning and it takes you away from what you're doing. In January, I was doing Beyond Sushi for uh, over seven years already. And I felt like, because I had no obligation to anybody right now, I felt like we were kind of static in a way. So I wanted to create something and bring it to the market and see how the reaction is. And just actually, you know, from my background, passion, see how everything is working, try, touch this new thing, imitation, and bring it in without like without the brand for a second, without Beyond Sushi, and see how it works. And it was a good test. We most likely can keep on going with it. But I decided because I was, you know, calming down for a second, that I can use those flavors and bring them in because uh, I don't see Beyond Sushi as restricted to that. But it did free me. I, I had the moment that, oh, this is good, and that is good, and that is good. And you know what? Forget about the office for one second. Let me stay in the kitchen. You got to be out. a chef because yes. that's your first responsibility if is I to be a chef. chef. If I was a chef 100% of the time, mm -hmm. uh, I believe me, I mean, <laughs> dishes would fly out all the time. I, I just don't have that much. If I could sum my time, I mean, 30% of my time is to being a chef. 30%. Wow. 40% maybe. 
Uh, another 30% is for management. Uh, the rest is financial. I'm the CFO of the company too. I run the financials. There are so many things that, that drag you in so many places. I'm all, sure. Or mechanical and this breaks down and that. And uh, That's what all business owners complain yeah. about, that you, they just want to focus on the creative part. But you have to have your hand yeah, really no, in everything no, 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 no. if it's your you business. Do. You do. And I, and, and, and I totally understand that and I've totally been doing that. And if I haven't been doing that, I would have been out of business. I mean, this business would not exist. Yeah. Uh, it's... It's totally fine. It's part of the business. I like the thrill. I like it. I like the management part. I like the financial parts. I'm very good with numbers. Uh, this is what I, you know, it's it's a combination. At the Vegetarian Food Festival, you yeah. served a beet salad with feta. And yeah. what was in the pita? Was it a falafel or no, no, uh, it was it a seitan? It, it, was the, it was a seitan, seitan variation. And we did the kebab that we're doing right now. That was some great. of the best Thank seitan you. we've ever had. I have this theory that seitan, I've, I've never had mediocre seitan. Didn't make that. You didn't make it? I don't make well, seitan. Well, you, you prepared it well. Yeah, you have to... Look, it's either amazing have, or it's you, not, you, you and that was amazing. You gotta have a product. You gotta have a create. I used to. I mean, I can make seitan. Now the volume that I do it, I can't. Can you say what the product is? Yeah, of course. They're very good. Blackbird. Oh, it's Blackbird. Yes. Yeah, it's so good. It all depends on what you do with it. Yeah. I mean, I take that seitan and I cook it even more in a steamer. Uh, that's my variation of it. I, I pressure steam it, uh, get it really nice and soft, and then we do whatever we do with it, marinations, grills. The texture was unbelievable. Thank and you. I'm only half of the vegan Yorker. The other half is oh, okay. is Eric. I, I manage the account the day-to-day, and I'm the, I'm primarily the photographer. Yes. But he is uh, guys definitely— job, fifth, thank you guys Thank you very much. He is 50% of it, and he only stopped eating meat three years ago, okay. which is really great because we both have different palates, and it's, it really helps contribute to um, giving— insight to our followers into, you know, sometimes you want to hear from a meat eater. You know what I mean? That was the best thing we ate that day. And we've been waiting for you to bring it on the menu at the (laughs) Sushi. So please, please bring it. Because that that was unbelievable. I'm working on a few things. I mean, when you go out as a chef and you have some time, you always get inspired. Uh, I just spent uh, a week, I came back uh, two days ago. Uh, from uh, Morocco. I was in Marrakesh, Morocco. And the food, that I, I mean, the variations, the, the markets, everything, I brought back so much spices. Did you get inspired? Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so we're going to have, uh, we're gonna have a, few, uh, a few things that are going to come into the restaurants, the specials and stuff like that. Um, I have a brunch in plan. I have a meze, I was gonna meze ask dinner you. in plan. I have, I have a lot of things in plan. And uh, we're going to actually change our lunch menu. Okay. The core menu is going to change. Our sushi is going to stay there. The wraps are going to stay there. Um, but we're going to add some of the skewers in there, some of the dips in there. There's going to be those those pot breads. Mm-hmm. They're going to be available to go. Uh, oh, wow. Uh, all this stuff is going to change in the in the core menu. So it's more relatable to our dinner menu across the whole company. I just renovated Chelsea Market, 14th Street. Mulberry and 56th Street to accommodate all those changes. 37 has been able to for a long time. And that's all the changes that happened in the past year, moving along from doing the same thing for seven years. And now, you know, the new Beyond Sushi, new menus, new changes, all the stuff that comes with it. Well, that's awesome. Yes. I was, I was going to ask you, what's, very, what's, what's, what's on the very, horizon for Beyond Sushi, but you answered it. <laughs> Is there anything else that you'd like to yeah, add or I tell mean, us? Yeah, first of all, come and try the stuff. I mean, yeah. walk and, and come in and try it. It takes a lot of hard work with all the people around, but come try the stuff. I, I promise that you won't be disappointed. 
What's your favorite roll and your favorite dinner menu item? So the kebabs are definitely your favorite. Uh, your star, de- definitely, definitely a star. Uh, but my favorite is uh, the stuffed artichoke. Oh, that was unbelievable. That was good, right? So I thought it was mashed potatoes. Oh, no, celery. It's celery. So it was let me tell unbelievable. You the story yes. About it. Oh, that's, that's a memory, okay? So okay. I remember my grandmother cooking with her. She used to make uh, the stuffed artichoke with me, right? Uh, with celery and peas. And that was a stew, a lot of turmeric inside. And it's a Moroccan stew, very common to a, a high holiday that we have. And I wanted to replicate that and made that blend of the impossible and the Satan and everything. I said, okay. I made it, but I couldn't plate it because it was it's a stew. It doesn't look so good. So we took that peas and we uh, made that pea and mint puree that goes around. Then the celery, we used the celery root. So, so it's pretty a take, and delicious. It's, a take. it's pretty. It's a pretty plate. So pretty. It's a, So it's a take on my grandma stuff. And, the, and again, going back to memory, but that's my favorite dinner item. Uh, it's an elevated vegan take on on yeah. your grandmother's dish. Yes, exactly. Which is very nice. And which she is, saw, and she saw it right before she passed away. So Aww. thank God. I mean, I, I got to, uh, I get to, you know, I got to show her. That has to stay on the menu forever now. Yeah, it does. <laughs> That's such a sweet story. Yeah, thank you yeah. so much for sharing yeah, she that. Was so happy. And then rolls, probably the pickle me. Uh, Ooh. It's not. It's not a very popular. What's in that? Uh, it has bordock root, uh, pickled daikon, marinated carrots, uh, and uh, avocado on top. Four grain rice and a carrot ginger sauce. I like crunch. I like texture. I am very much about the whole experience, not just the flavor. Everything's got to be in there. Where do you see Beyond Sushi in ten years? I see us uh, still kicking, always, as long as we can. More now than ever, my staff. And what I've done over this past year are taking ownership of whatever. And we hire staff that are part of the growth with comments and uh, ideas and so on. And I, and I thank them because they are the one that helping me drive it even more. For lo- the longest time, I just like put a bag on my back and carry them. Uh, but now we have great staff that are really helping drive it even further up. I see us opening more locations in the city. Uh, probably outside Manhattan, Brooklyn, uh, maybe Queens. Uh, we're thinking about it. Looked at a few sites already. Upper West, Upper East. I was going to say, we haven't touched that Upper yet. East, Upper West yes. is dying for more vegan options. Yeah, and maybe, you know, uh, and maybe something else besides that. We, we really worked really hard in the past year. What we're doing right now is a lot of catering. That's my world from the past. And we're doing a lot, a lot of that. I got a wedding in Beyond Sushi at 37 on November that is coming up. We got a few uh, weddings coming up for next year and the year after. You just expanded to the foundry too. Talk about yes, that, right? Yes, we did. We just, I mean, we just joined them. The congratulations, uh, we did, we that's did, awesome. Uh, we did a, you know, they put us as one of their preferred vendors. And uh, Foundries in Long Island City, just for everyone. And it's a really, it's a really nice venue that people have events at, like get married and so forth. Expensive. <laughs> it's beautiful. Listen, everything in New York that's yeah. that's of quality costs money. So, hundred percent. But what are you gonna it's do? part of it's part of it, and and it's fun because in the in in the catering world, I can always create, you know. And every every event is something else, and every event is something new. And I'm bringing like those things are tests for me, and a lot of it is coming back to the restaurants, and it's nice because I can I can create like mini items of this and that and whatever. You know? And maybe expand to California in oh, the that, next 10 that, years? That is maybe? in the works. No, no, it's no, in the works? works. It's already uh, in the works. Yeah, it's already in the works. Ooh. So it's all, it's, all about, um, it's all about finding the right people to run it and be able to have, it's not even about the funds, you know, the, 
the money from Shark Tank. I'm not, yeah. I'm not even worried about that. What I'm worried about is having the right teams and having the right structure. One of the things that really, I wasn't really built yet for it. Uh, so I'm working on it. It's going to happen. Wonderful. One day at a time. One day at a time. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Guy, for being here. Thank you here. for having me. Please, everyone, follow Guy at Beyond Sushi on Instagram. And make sure you're also following The Vegan New Yorker on Instagram, if you're not already. You should. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And uh, thank you so much for being here. It was such an honor. Thank you for having Um, me. You're doing so much for the vegan community and for veganism and just really opening up so many people's eyes and stomachs to the possibility of delicious, cruelty-free food. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Make sure to follow The Vegan New Yorker and Beyond Sushi on Instagram. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week. <laughs>